Welcome to episode 100 of the Search with Candor podcast. To celebrate our 100th episode, I'm going to play you Fanfare Trumpet Announcement Effect 3 free sound effect from YouTube, which I am pretty confident is royalty free. Now, with those wild celebrations out of the way, I'll tell you this episode was recorded on Friday, the 26th of February, 2021. And of course, my name is Mark Williams-Cook. Today, I have a very special guest with me, Dixon Jones, CEO of InLinks. You may know him. He spent a decade at Majestic, which is one of the best well-known SEO link tools out there. He's going to talk to us today about the InLinks tool, about NLP, about entities, and the approach he takes to modern SEO. And of course, before we kick off, this episode, as usual, is sponsored by the wonderful Sightbulb. If you don't know about it, Sightbulb is a desktop, Windows, and Mac-based SEO auditing bit of software. It's absolutely fantastic. I've used it for years now. We use it at the Canda team, and every week I talk about some feature either that they've brought out that's new because they're constantly adding new features or just some cool use case that I or someone else has been using it for and actually I was running some uh, audits on Sightbulb last week and one of the things that I appreciate that it does do so I've talked about Sightbulb a lot in terms of not only does it do these crawls and and provide the data it, it tries to actually divine the issue for you and gives you a lot of information around that but of course you can export the raw data, as we know, to CSV and Google Sheets. But what I particularly like about it as well is while there's lots of stuff you can do in Excel, so if you export, say, a whole load of URL data, you can use Excel to kind of filter that, you can use formulas. Sitebulb actually does this really nicely for you anyway as a front end. So say you have crawled your internal links and you want to look at a specific subsection of pages. So we'll say you've got a travel site and there's a whole bunch of pages that you want to give um, to a team to action that are about Australia. You can go into that URL report in Sightbulb and they've already got filters, advanced filters. You can use regex or literally just type in the search box to filter the data immediately. So firstly, you can see the kind of size of job you're working on, but then the export features, and normal tools do this, and it's, I find it really frustrating, but Sitebulb does, is it applies those filters that you're currently looking at to the export that you do. So if you're like, okay, well, this I'm going to give this to the travel team that deal with Australia, you can just type that in, you'll get all the URLs that follow that pattern, hit, hit export, and then whether you want to do it to Sheets or to uh, like CSV, you can just have that data straight away really really helpful uh, tool really helpful filtering system along with everything else it does listeners to search with candor get an extended 60-day trial for sitebulb so it's two months and there's no credit card or anything required if you go to sitebulb.com and go to forward slash swc that's what will get you the extended trial so go and check it out you won't be sorry
And today, as I said, we are joined by Dixon Jones, CEO of Inlinks. Welcome, Dixon. Nice to have you. Hello, Mark. Thanks for having me. Dixon, I wanted to get you on the podcast before. Um, we're, we're on episode 100 now, a little milestone for us. Sorry I'm late. <laughs> but um, you, you were actually injured, weren't you? What, what happened there? You were, have you made a full recovery? Because it was pretty I, serious. I, I wouldn't call it a full recovery. Uh, yeah, I, I, I fell off my mountain bike. I, I've, I figured out that I, I now know that 56 is not the new 26. Um, I was going down a, <laughs> a, a mountain, I don't say a mountain trail. It was a hill, basically, but a hill of trails. And I kind of came to this thing and got a bit nervous. So I, I, I kind of stopped and, and fell off sideways, but fell down onto the next um, next trail, which was only a only couple of feet. But ultimately, I landed with a, a straight leg onto uh, on, onto the next trail, going into my pelvis and broke my pelvis and groin and bits and stuff uh, and found myself um, trapped in a wood. Uh, and we had to get the, uh, the hazardous area response team out for the ambulance to get me to Milton Keynes Hospital, spent seven nights in uh, Milton Keynes Hospital. And then, um, yeah, it's taken a, a good couple of months to be able to put any weight on it. But, but now I'm now I'm signed off for the uh, signed off for the the bone bit. And it's just physio now. So um, I'm I'm up and running, but I've been told arthritis is going to happen wow. at some point. Were, were, you with, were you with anyone when that happened? I wa- there were other people in the wood. There were other people in the wood. So I okay. wasn't with anybody um, myself, but there were other people to sort of keep an eye on me. But by the time you got me out of that wood, I was I, w- I would say I was pretty much in shock. Yeah. <laughs> but by then I was on a lot of gas in there. <laughs> Dixon, for those that for those that maybe don't know you, so I first became aware of you many years ago uh, when you worked at, and I, I still think you're involved with a company called Majestic. So Majestic to me is like the the OG of link analysis. Yeah. Um, I still use it. We use a whole bunch of tools yeah. now for looking at bat links, but I've just uh, I think I'm getting old and stuck in my ways. But I really still like Majestic. So you, and you were there for like the best part of ten years, right? I was, yeah. So uh, I, I was there right at the start of Majestic, built it up as a um, CMO. I mean, I called it marketing director, but the Americans seem to like CMO. Uh, and um, yeah, and we, it was a, it was, it's been uh, brilliant. I'm still, I'm still a shareholder there, and I'm still an ambassador for for Majestic. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll only say nice things, I promise. Um, and uh, <laughs> but it, it's been a, it, it was a, one hell of a ride. Um, you know, we've got all sorts of awards. I uh, got to go to the Deloitte Fast 50 with it. Um, went to see the Queen twice um, at Buckingham Palace. So um, Majestic is so much more powerful than a lot of people realize. I mean, it just deals with link building. So most of the other tools have now gone full suite. Um, and so uh, so they tend to have a bigger, bigger share of voice at that particular point. But Majestic is in 13 languages. Um, it really is a massive crawler. Uh, and their ability to to now see things, you know, uh, whereas before it was just you know show you all the links in context. Now it's showing you links five five steps away, so you can have you know someone from site A linking to site B, site C's site D linking to you, and you can see you know the importance of something five clicks or five five clicks away. I mean that's a, a fundamental difference to any other tool that's out there. Nothing else is going to come close to that right at the mes- this moment, I think. And Unless, uh, unless mods are going to tell me otherwise. 
Yeah, I think I saw recently they had the they they launched the kind of visualization of that as well. We we mentioned it on the podcast. You put stuff in space as well, didn't you? We did. We um we printed out a 3D visualization of the internet uh on the International Space Station. We got him and and that that came back down to earth on SpaceX. Uh and it managed to come back to the uh, offices in Birmingham literally 48 hours before I did a TEDx uh, talk in, in at Aston um, I, on um, so I, could, I was able to show it to the uh, to the people in the middle of the TEDx uh, system uh, TEDx talk which was pretty cool so yes yeah, that was a wild ride it was it's been uh, pretty impressive that yeah, it's incredible that. but today um, I wanted to talk to you about inlinks so a little bit of disclosure uh, Kanda is an inlinks customer Uh Dixon actually messaged me on LinkedIn, I think maybe about a year ago, to ask me to have a have a demo of it. Yeah, when we were getting it getting it yeah, up and running. And, um, yeah. It's yeah, probably one of yeah. the few LinkedIn kind of approaches that I've gone, yeah, absolutely, because obviously I I knew who you were. And um I you know, I've I've got you on the the show because like we've spoken to say Dom from Little Warden and Patrick from Sightbulb, I think it's really interesting for SEOs, for business owners to hear from the makers of these tools because normally you're dealing with one aspect of SEO and there's a lot of deep knowledge and a lot of thought that needs to go into these tools and 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 how they how they work and why they do what they do. So for those that haven't heard of it um, and I've I've nicked this from your uh, LinkedIn, so I don't know when this is last updated. So I'll leave. I'm going to read it out and then leave you to amend it or defend it as necessary. So Inlinks is a new way to build your marketing presence with proprietary NLP algorithms, public and proprietary market data analysis, and a world-class knowledge base. <laughs> The Inlinks tool is a freemium web-based system that helps you spot market trends before anyone else, optimize content based around entities and topics, not just keywords, and lastly, automates internal links on your site as well as content and FAQ schema. Would you say that's a pretty pretty good encapsulation, or do you want to do you want to go back and give that a polish? You, you know what, the amount of work that goes into thinking about those kind of things, and then you hear it read back to you, and you think, well, where did I start? You know, it's, it, it, well, yes, that is that's kind of like explains it very well, um, and and really badly. You know, I think the main difference is that um, it's a it's an SEO tool suite that that really works around the concept of topics and, and entities instead of keywords. That's that's fundamentally the difference. So in order to, for that to happen, you've got to build a uh, two parts. You've got to build a system that can read any content and break it down to the underlying topics, which is not always easy. You know, if you, you see the words tower and bridge on the page, is that a tower? Is that a bridge? Or is that tower bridge? You know, which one is the entity behind that? So that's one part of it. That's the NLP part of it. You've got to be able to read content and break it down to, to, to entities. And then you need to be able to work out what entities are semantically close to each other. Or, or you know, so uh, when you're talking about an engine, are you talking about a search engine or a combustion engine? And um, uh, and then you need, a, need, need to be able to sort of put that all into a big knowledge graph so those are the two core bits that are you know i suppose hard to copy but um uh, but they they allow us to do optimization and uh, an seo in a slightly different way so there's a few bits you mentioned there that i think are worth picking apart and dissecting so from a overview you mentioned about and we've talked about this on the podcast before in terms of google which is 
this entity-based approach to SEO. Now, we what we've talked about before is Google just getting to kind of grips and, you know, they had a quote that was about a decade ago where they said, um, Google's in the first stages of becoming a knowledge engine and it's about things, not strings. And that was literally like, I think, 2011. How do you see this applying to SEO though? So what is, in your opinion, an entity-based approach to SEO? Because I still see people obviously now, you know, most people talk about keywords, don't they? Yeah, they do. Uh, here's, here's, here's the way that I try and describe it when I'm sort of talking publicly. The, 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 the problem... So what Google's doing is instead of saying, right, I need to know all the pages on the internet that are talking about how to tie a bow tie, the problem with that approach is that now the internet has got so large, there are thousands of pages being added every day about how to tie a bow tie, and there's no, there's no new actual information you basically um, how to to how the, the process the the idea the concept of a bow tie and how to tie it is the same it hasn't changed over those 10 20 years just adding more records to a to a database doesn't doesn't help so at some point 10 years ago they started seeing this eventuality and started realizing uh, that the number of the number of things in the world isn't growing as fast as the number of pages in the world so um, there are thousands of pages about any given topic now or pretty much any given topic um but ultimately uh, you know even though there's trillions and trillions of pages there's pro probably only hundreds of billions of concepts and that includes everything from walking to guitars to um you know to um every brand you know under the sun you know 200 mi uh, million of those probably is that's that's about it so in, so so the idea of moving towards an encyclopedia based approach um to organizing the world's information means that you've got a lot less records if you're a Google and they're not going to be growing as quickly. So you can then sit there and say, right, I've got the record on walking or hiking boots or whatever, uh, and, or, or on, on, on um, Nike Inc. And then I can then, um, elaborate on that record and, and enrich that record with other stuff from around the internet. So that's how I see topics and entities as, as why Google is moving that way, because it, it, it it's more scalable ultimately for them and they can borrow from other, other places. They don't have to just get information from the internet. They could get information from social media. They could get it from health records. Ultimately, they could get it from, you know, offline stuff. Um, uh, they could get human, you know, somebody at, somebody at Google could start modifying the information and, uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and so, that is where the difference has moved. And of course, when you talk about, you know, hiking boots, you're talking semantically about the concept of hiking, the concept of boots. Hiking boots may be a thing in its own thing. Mountains may be semantically close. You know, you, you've got a whole load of other topics that are uh, close uh, to the concept of, of hiking. But ultimately, what's the difference between hiking and walking? Very little, actually. They, you know, the, the, there isn't a huge difference in, in the idea. Um, so you can start talking about topics and ideas and not get hung up on, on you know, have to use all these keywords. You just got to make sure you talk about the right concepts uh, and preferably ones that align with what Google is thinking is uh, concepts. You very briefly in your... Sense, or is that a load it, of rubbish? It, it, did, it did make sense. And I want to try and tie tie all these these bits together so when when you gave your initial explanation um of inlinks you very quickly touched over building a graph and i think it'd be helpful 
for people to understand a little bit about what is a graph database how does that how's that different from like a normal database and how does graph theory like apply to what inlinks is is doing so what we've what we've done really um wikipedia is open source so i I, so um you can you can use the concept of wikipedia as as a a massive multilingual directory of concepts and ideas um, and it's a good place to start. Google started in the same place. What they did was said, right, let's use Wikipedia as our, a training set for what is everything in the world um, and a description of it and, 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 and ideas. So, um, so, so every article in Wikipedia becomes an entity. And you'll be surprised at just how deep that goes, right down to, you know, um, every you know most villages and and you know a, what's a walking stick and stuff like that. So they've been they've obviously been pulling in all sorts of things from dictionaries and things at some point along the way, um, and so you've got got all these um, entities um, already there. But what what they what they aren't necessarily is connected, so they're not you haven't got a connection between ideas and concepts. So you need to build on that. You can't just sit there and take Wikipedia and um, suddenly be able to optimize content or be or apply that to an SEO technology. You need to try and tie together um, where topics and ideas um, or articles on Wikipedia, for want of a better um, uh meter definition um where they're close uh, and the way that we do that is we have a look at um well firstly we've 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 categorized the whole of this uh, of wikipedia um and so we've now got our own map of what we think is semantically close to uh, to to other topics and we've done that as pages come in and we start analyzing pages we see when topics are are um mentioned on the same page next to each other um and so that that builds up a bit of a pattern but also we can then use that to analyze um when you want to optimize your content for a given page um and usually a a given free keyword we can then build knowledge graphs on the fly so we can just read your content and see all the entities that are in it but we can then also read any other set of content. So the pages that rank for the phrase that you're looking for or the pages that you know are your competitors. And we can build knowledge graphs on the fly. So a knowledge graph is simply a list of entities and ideas, a list of topics, a list of Wikipedia articles, if you like, um, uh, that are relevant for, for for your starting points. So you put in any, any keyword in there, but instead of coming back with a set of keywords, you're coming back with a set of topics that are all bang on matches of things you need to be talking about if you want to be a knowledge leader in uh in this in this in this space in this in this phrase that you've just talked about and then we can just show you what you haven't talked about and what what you should be talking about because your competitors are you still need to engage brain 2.0 at that point because you know just because your competitors talked about Amazon and they all happen to be Amazon websites doesn't necessarily mean you need to talk about Amazon you know you 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 still need to uh talk about the things that are relevant to the uh, to the world in which you're playing in but uh, but at the same time knowing what topics are the ones that excites google's systems really makes your life a lot easier were you referring to us then as brain 2.0 <laughs> our own our oh, yeah, own, humans, our own humans, meaty yeah, yeah. brains brain 2.0 <laughs> is, is humans okay. yeah no so so for me there's this there's this huge value layer between me providing the technology and uh 
and, 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 and the customer. And that's usually an agency in the middle that is an SEO specialist. I, I think that, um, you know, there are certainly plenty of people that are just using, you know, the Inlinx platform um, uh, directly. Uh, and but, but, you know, there is still a layer of brain that needs to be put into the system, I think. <laughs> well, that's good news. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to get too <laughs> too entrenched in the, kind of the, the the details. But again, just one thing that in your first initial definition you gave, you you spoke about um, NLP algorithms. Do you just want to touch on the role that they play in InLinks and and what you do? And I, and I guess this is about like what you're talking about going through Wikipedia and stuff. Yeah, well, uh, not so much actually. NLP stands for Natural Language Processing. It's not neurolinguistic programming. Well, that stands for that as well. But anyway, what we're what we're talking about here is natural language processing algorithm. Uh, in actual fact, what we've probably got is a named entity extraction algorithm for the techies out there. But but basically, the idea is that um, you you read a body of text. It could be a story. It could be an article. It could be uh, anything really, uh, and and the system has to be clever enough to spot variations on a theme, the way in which you're talking about things and grammatical sentence structures and stuff to be able to understand when you're talking about any particular um, uh, concept or idea. Apologies for the phone. What we do is we, we, we run our own, but Google also has one as well. So there's an API that we also run, which is Google's NLP, Natural Language Processing Algorithm. And so Google will tell you what... Wikipedia articles are direct hits in their algorithm, and then we know which are direct hits in our algorithm. But the difference is that Google is only really reporting. Google's really good at finding brands and cities and people and things that start with a capital letter, for want of a better definition. It's not so good at, uh, at demonstrating concepts and things. It does, but it's not as good at that. Um, and there is a big gap between. Uh, seeing all of the entities on a page and seeing the ones that Google says are direct hits of of, of what the page is about, um, and so we're we're seeing um, we we do a, a little tracking uh, thing every day every week, but we're seeing around about five times six times as many entities in any corpus of content than Google is reporting. So that's you know that's six hundred five six hundred percent more entities. Now, admittedly. Ours might have things that are very, very, uh, very uh, not not really important to the to the overall meaning of the page. So ours may have um, uh, concepts that are anecdotal to the to the to the main uh, topics. But clearly, if you want Google to really understand the content, then you want Google to really be able to demonstrate that in its own natural language processing algorithm by showing that this page is about keyword here, keyword here, keyword here, or topic and idea here. And 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 so the, the, the topics that Google is, is is throwing back should represent the ones that you want it to come back with, um, not just picking one out every now and then and, and then missing everything else. So, so we be able to see that difference is is a core value, I think, in, in the system. So you've actually answered a question I was going to ask uh, in a moment, which was around this um, entity identification and why do we need to bother doing it? You know, surely Google's really smart at this. And from your answer, I understand that essentially you're going another step. Um, so Google seems to be identifying entities it's kind of sure of that are quite maybe obvious. And you're going another few steps and identifying a lot more 
And maybe this is where those those squishy yeah. brain 2.0s come in to help filter out the kind of edge cases on the fence or maybe the ones that aren't quite relevant. Yeah, I mean, we try and show the priorities as well. So we'll show the important ones at the top of the list and that or, or we can either sort it by category or by uh, or by importance. But um, it's, it's interesting. I think there is, even within the SEO community, uh, a large number of people that don't understand Google's natural language processing algorithm. There is a, there's a web interface that you can go for Google NLP. You can sort of go, go and type in Google NLP API and you can cut and paste a bunch of text and put it into, into the, the, the demo and see the entities that are coming back. But people are misreading what's coming back. They're sitting there seeing boxes of things um, and, uh, and, and assuming that every, Every box is is an entity, but some of those boxes are uh, the one that we've written up on um, includes the concept of best basketball shoes. Best basketball shoes is shown up in the in the, in the result, but that's clearly not an entity. It's you know a, there's you know a basketball maybe an entity, a basketball shoe maybe an entity. Best basketball shoes is a concept. It's not is it, is a is a keyword, but um, the only entities that Google is actually bringing back in their ones are the ones that have got Wikipedia hits and, and links on them. The rest, um, you know, it's not because uh, because because it's. Um, you know they're vague phrases, and sometimes they got three boxes with exactly the same phrases on the page, um, which which means that that's not part of the the entity extraction algorithm. So so yeah, there is a big gap between what Google is reporting and what and what um, is there, and I guess we can make some false positives for sure. Um, and Google's very unlikely to make false positives, but um, Google doesn't have to worry too much about that because there's a million pages about the topics you want to talk about anyway. So it's just got to choose the ones where it's confident. Um, and our job is to help uh, help the SEOs get that uh, get that message across to the machine, the Borg. <laughs> so I think that all gives a quite a good overview now of what Inix is doing behind the scenes. What can users expect? So if I log into the Inlinx interface, I put in my domain because you're going to help me. And, you know, we've talked about or we haven't talked about, but we know the Inlinx system can help with things like internal linking and schema. So how is it actually all implemented? What am I going to get out the other end? So I'm logging to system. I'm saying, right, here's my website. Help me. What? How are you harnessing all that information? Yep. Okay, well, there's there's two main um, modules within. Well, there's three three main modules, but there's two main areas of, of the system which are which are uh, fundamentally uh, different. And one is optimizing the content on a page, uh, which is then um, which which is a very different part of the system to um, uh, linking the web pages together and writing schema. So. You're right. It does do, do schema and internal linking. So let me explain that bit first, if that's okay. Um, so, so the way that we deal with schema and internal linking, we have a very um, different view of schema to to you know uh, tools, the you know the the WordPress plugins and stuff like that. Most of the most of those tools, you end up having to put in things about your organization or, or those kind of things. That's not what we're doing. We're um, providing. What we call content schema, and it is about the about schema and 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 mention schema. So what we're doing is because we can read and interpret the page, um, then we can say, okay, this is about Mister Google or Mrs Google. Um, I think I think the Borg is is male. I don't know why, uh, uh, Mister Google. Um, when you read this this content, this is about a thing called 
Tower Bridge. And in case you don't understand what that is, here's a Wikipedia page for Tower Bridge. So we're taking um, the hope that Google will implicitly understand something to explicitly telling Google what this page is primarily about. Um, and then it also mentions these things like London and Thames and you know other other bits and pieces. But the primary primary um, topic of this this is London Bridge or London Bridge and um, and, uh, and and London or something like that. So uh, so so. Um, that schema is injected straight into the website. So what we do with our clients is we provide one line of um, JavaScript code that they can put on the footer of the website. It's deferred so it doesn't um, slow down the website. Um, and then, um, we, 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 then we can inject that schema straight into the website for the, for the customer. And it's very specific about schema. We also, by, by, by chance, uh, create FAQ schema um, because we can see that as well. So we put that in there. The, the second thing that we do on the internal linking is that as soon as we, we do ask for a human in the loop to make those associations, because we did try and do that automatically, and we were making a few false positives. So we decided, right, you know what? Why don't you? Here's a list of all the topics on your page. You tell me which one is the most important topic or, or two important topics on that page, and then we'll make the associations just so we don't uh, have any errors in there. Um, but as soon as we've done that, we can see all the other times that you've talked about Tower Bridge on a website, for example, or Thames on a website or whatever, and link it through to the page that's about the Thames or, the Tower, or Tower Bridge. And that can also be done within the anchor text so you can sit there and see exactly where you're talking about Tower Bridge on a completely different web page. It's picked up the concept. It's linked within the the um, sentence that's that's talking about Tower Bridge and linking through to the Tower Bridge page, and that is also all done on the fly. So the JavaScript is pretty powerful from that point of view. So it's then um, it's something that you couldn't do five or six years ago because before Job, uh, um, Martin Split and the guys at Google got quite so uh, uh, adept at um, understanding rendered um, web pages. They they really weren't very good at, uh, at at taking those links and understanding them, but you know they're well on top of it now and have been for some years. So it's it's an opportunity to go back to to using JavaScript in a really powerful way for SEOs. But the other side of the tool um, is is the page optimization. So the page optimization um, then 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 says okay. Now I'm just going to concentrate on your web page. How can we improve this content to make it better? And that will then look up the 10 web pages that rank for any particular keyword, build a knowledge graph of their content, and map it against the knowledge graph of your own page content. So you've got two sets of entities, all the entities that we see that are ranking in the top 10, and then all the entities that we see in your page of content. So we can then do that gap analysis. And we have a workflow that then says, right, you can go down and have a look at these, tick the ones that you want. It'll add those to the content ideas. And then when you get to the editor, we've got a sort of a, a sort of sandbox editor. So you can then start writing or, or give that information over to a content writer. So you can decouple the analysis of the topics that you're supposed to be talking about with the actual rewriting, because those are two different sides of the brain, really. Um, and uh, one's creative and one's analytical. So by being able to decouple that, you 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 stop that that uh, bias, or hopefully would stop a certain amount of that bias, where you think you need to talk about Tower Bridge, and so you you think you need to talk about all these ideas, and you completely ignore the the the, the bits that you you weren't um, you didn't know you didn't know. Wow, we've covered a lot there. <laughs> let me let me rewind a bit talking about. Sorry. I do that. I do that a bit. I I I get so passionate about it that I kind of go, I kind of dive in. It, really. com- it comes <laughs> across. So the if we go back to when we were talking about 
internal linking and schema generation and how you're doing that through JavaScript. I mean, that's hugely interesting to me. Even you know, all of these individual things are actually big, interesting topics like internal linking. We've we've spoken about that loads on the podcast and how important it is. Um, one of the most popular episodes we actually had um, was big site SEO. We had Andrew Smith um, in who's kind of ex-Expedia, um, some other big sites. Um, exactly echoing what you were saying about the approach you were taking not being possible several years ago when they were having to do this internal linking at scale across millions of pages, they were having to pay huge sums of money for essentially bespoke bits of software that could help them automatically make internal links and relations between pages. Because it's just when you're managing, you know, all of these different content writers, it's just too difficult to train everyone up and have a central, you know, you should be linking to these pages when you talk about this. Um, you know, this was a huge, you know, it's hugely beneficial for them for SEO, but it was big, very expensive projects. And now you're saying kind of, yeah, we can pretty much do that. Well, we can inject the links automatically for you, but also we can give you that initial priority for where we think you should be linking. So you don't even need to do that manually. So that my question is, how does, does this scale well then? Because it sounds like this is an, almost a no-brainer for, for big sites. It, it's, it does scale very well um, because ultimately you can give a content writer, okay, the content writer has got this whole content optimization thing that they can use or not use, but ultimately you can, you can allow the content writer to, to write their content. And then the second that that content gets added into the system, literally, you've already said what pages are important on your, on your system. So as it gets added, it will go through and check those associations that were already made in, our, in the system and build links and put them straight onto that page as it's added into the system. And so the, the second it's live, um, you, can, you can then create internal links in there and the content writer doesn't need to know. Uh, why would the content writer um, on a big site have any idea about what page is about you know if it's a, if it's a car website and they they're an expert on you know, on jaguar why would they have any idea what page is the one that's on the competing you know they might know what the competing products are but their job is not to go around finding the links and the main page for jaguar and the age page for the competition you know if they're going to go around and do all of that that's fine, but that's an analytical task not a creative writing task so to be able to then automatically do that without error, hopefully, uh, and certainly without missing as much as a human would miss, you know, then you, you, you're able to build those links on the fly. It's, it's, it scales very, very well. Where there is a challenge, of course, is there is then, you know, this, this, this incremental cost every, you know, on a, on a, on a million web page website, this may still have a cost associated with it. Um, and there may become a point at which you've got so much on, uh, content on there that you're incrementally not adding much value by suddenly doing all the internal linking. But it seems that large websites um, are not finding that. They're seeing that the more that they do connect their ideas, the more a search engine is uh, is enjoying those connections and, and, and getting more meaning out of it. So, um, so. Uh, at some point, we have to we we we've changed we change our business model, uh, and then have customers right at the top end where we're saying, okay, we'll we'll we won't charge you by the page anymore. We'll charge you by um, a different methodology, and obviously that becomes the uh, a, you know a, a conversation with them. But uh, uh, but it, yes, it does scale. The trick is 
deciding what your main landing pages are first, because getting those associations initially are important. Ultimately, you don't want to have two pages about Tower Bridge. You want to have one page that is the page about Tower Bridge. You might then have another page that's about Tower Bridge in the context of London or Tower Bridge in the context of uh, uh, engineering or something like that. But ultimately, you don't want to confuse um, a, a search engine with that internal linking structure. You've got to decide where your page is, where where is your authority around this the, any given topic. And stick with it, really. Um, and so the system tries to encourage that. It gives you some get-out clauses, but uh, but ultimately, if you can if you can encourage, you know, all all roads leading to Rome, and by by roads I mean links, you know, link to the the, the actual authority on on a particular place, then then it, it becomes um, self-reinforcing. Every time you talk about a particular topic that you've associated with a, a landing page then you know those links then just reinforce the uh, the message that this is the authority page on on this topic i think any tool that ushers a client towards that approach of having uh, not multiple pages covering the same thing is going to be popular with SEOs because I know it's certainly one of the challenges we face. I mean, you know, when we when we go into new client sites, quite typically, you know, we'll say, well, we want to rank for this. And then when we look around the site, we find actually they've got four pages about that thing. Yeah. And then this, and I, I, not all SEOs are happy with this approach. You know, the, the, the truth of the matter is that if you've got a site that's about, you know, um, blue widgets uh, and and you've got 100 pages on blue widgets and blue widgets is, a, is an entity in its own right that gives you a problem it gives you a challenge because you suddenly realize that if you were the only only website on the internet uh, and your search engine of choice was going to type in blue widgets you still have to have a page at the top of the list and so you've still got to make that determination at some point so it's not always a straightforward um, thing to do the more niche a website is the more content you're going to have about the same topic um, so it's still, you know, and at some point you just say, right, the homepage is the homepage and, uh, and, and this is the topic. Uh, so every other mention then goes to the homepage and that's fine, but you then become narrow and focused. And then a large website tends to be about more things and it finds it harder to be a specialist on a, a given topic or as many given topics as they want. Um, so it's a, you know, that is the, the SEO's dilemma really. And I would assume that that's, you know, Google's dilemma to make sure that, um, also one small website doesn't always get drowned out by a large website. They've got to have that ability to, uh, allow, um, businesses to be, um, specialists. And they do seem to get that blend quite right. You know, big, big websites that are well-optimized. Yes. Can probably rank for any phrase that they really put their mind to, but it's at the cost of of other things, really. So they they've got to do that at the cost of, you know, not ranking for something else over here. You mentioned um, about seeing some results in terms of larger websites. Search engines do seem to enjoy it, as you said, when when the internal linking's right. So let's talk about um, success at the moment in terms of the platform and expectation, and you know. The clients that you've got, the customers that you've got, I should say that when you're talking to them, have you got any particular sort of success stories? I know obviously that, you know, I'm sure you can't name names, but how, how, what should people expect when they go onto the platform? If they start integrating the schema and internal linking, do people tend to see results quite quickly? How significant are they? Um, you know, what they do. I'll, I'll caveat that by saying that, um, 
some some sites see better results than others. And obviously, if you've already got your internal linking pretty well, you know, nailed, then um, our, our our improvements can be are incremental. If you haven't got any internal linking, then yeah, our our, our results can be pretty spectacular and pretty quick. Um, so so I also, it does tend to work better when we have content to eat up. So because a natural language processing algorithm is better at understanding concepts in um, articles, news articles and blog articles and, um, and and things with words rather than lists, we're, we're, we're not so good at lists. You know, you can't, if you, if you name the, the top 20, you know, car brands in a list, that doesn't really give much context. Whereas if you're talking about, you know, the Jaguar XJS and its luxury leather seating and its, you know, alloy wheels and its these these kind of ideas, we get a much richer view of a concept. And, uh, and, and so we can we can pick out the meaning a lot, a lot better. So some websites work better than others. And a well SEOed website will clearly not have such a jump in, in, in performance um, to, to one that's, uh, that's, that's not had any internal links or, or done on it or not had any, you know, analysis of the content on the page uh, and, and, and the competitors. Um, uh, but the, the more developed they get, the smaller the uplift is, which I think is logical, really, isn't it? You know, we're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater really here. It's a, it's a really difficult question, but I thought I'd ask it to you anyway, just to see what you said. But I think it's a very fair answer. Um, I, I just want to talk about the second part you mentioned there, which is the, the content briefs. And I just kind of want to say my bit on them, which is that that was the thing that personally got me into Inlinx because I found this hugely helpful. And I'm sure that this is something as well that's applicable to basically every SEO, which is, you know, trying to get the content stuff right. And, you know, especially with bigger clients, it sometimes means working with content teams or, or content writers. And like you said, it's not um, it's not the kind of creative writer's job to know about internal linking and stuff like this. So there's always like an SEO part in that process uh, to make sure, you know, people aren't repeating topics. You've got your topic and um, you've got your content plan and, you know, normally we'll be providing some kind of brief to a client. And just so you know, listeners know that the way that this works in terms of the Inlinks platform for me was was fantastic. Which was essentially, you know, you type in the keyword that you're uh, or the topic you're trying to rank for. You put in your URL you want that you're trying to optimize for that, and then it looks at the top ranking pages for that term. And it one of the bits of information it gives you, and I'm still not there in terms of using all the information it gives back. But even that first part, which is for then all of those top ranking pages, it lists the frequency at which they're talking about specific entities and topics versus how much you are was incredibly helpful for us because it immediately highlighted sometimes areas not even for search engines that were necessarily that important although they were it was actually for customers that oh we've completely forgotten to talk about this use case for instance of this product that's that's important for customers Absolutely. and to to give you the most sort of random and you know low level example of this i just was helping a, a friend out who actually has a, a company that believe it or not sells toilet cubicles and I, I ran it through um this this content brief and i saw all of their competitors on this page were, were talking about schools and i said to them well you know do you 
do you sell these toilet cubicles for schools? He was like, yeah. And it's like, well, we haven't mentioned that at all. And he was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And it just immediately highlighted to me that, okay, look, all these sites are, have got these whole sections about, and there was, that, was, that was a whole topic then as well. And loads of semantically related themes to talk about schools. Um, and, you know, that was instant. And that's just the, I was going to say, you know, you've got the freemium version, obviously, of the innings. It starts at what, like $40 a month for the paid version, like £30 a month? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cheap, pretty cheap. What I would say is the free version, um, we only analyze 300 words of text of the competitor's stuff. So we kind of don't go very far. So, um, of course, you can use it and see how it's all working and stuff. And it is useful. Um, but the more competitive markets you get into, the less the topic graph that we build is is is, is good. And, and that's that's partly because, well, obviously, we want your money, let's be honest. But um, uh, but also, it costs us to run Google's natural language processing API over that content as well. So it's not free for us. It's, sure. uh, it's you know, there's a there's a cost um, and a very real one that actually involves pounds and pence to Google to do some of this stuff. Mm. Um, but you make an interesting point about the schools and the, and the loo things. So, and, and, and this is why sometimes stuff's incremental and sometimes it's just a massive, great big win on the content side because you only need to know that you've missed out an important part of your business. And, 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 and a few sentences of rewriting can make a big difference to, um, to Google's understanding and saying, yes, this is, this is meeting the needs of this, this query. Um, other times you have covered all the bases and frankly, you've just, you know, you've got down to talking about the loo paper, which is not so important probably. Um, <laughs> and so, so that's when the tool becomes, you know, uh, less useful when you've got an expert SEO site and it's already perfect. I can't make a perfect site better. Um, I can only, except for the schema, the schema I can add, you know, and the internal links, but I can't make the content better on a perfect site. So the, you've got a free trial, right? For inlinks. If we just go to, is it, is inlinks.net, isn't it? Yeah. Inlinks.net. I just had to yeah. double check. That. So we have, yeah, we've got a, so we've got a free version and then, um, if anybody goes on a, a one-to-one demo, then we'll give you a free month. So basically what we'll do is we'll refund your first month if you come on a one-to-one demo. We put a lot of value in doing the onboarding. So effectively, um, uh, if you don't do the onboarding, you, you're more than welcome to sign up for your $39 or your, your £30 plus VAT. Uh, but um, but um, we found that the retention rate is... 800%, eight times better, 800% better when somebody has gone in and seen it because they miss stuff. And the learning curve is only about half an hour, but um, people are a lot, you know, a lot better armed and they understand the logic behind it and the, the underlying principles. I mean, we talked about a lot of them here, but it's not the same as seeing it on your own website and applying that to your own website and seeing the the, the process that, that, that we the thought process we've got behind it. Um, and so, Hardly anybody that has done the demo and then goes on to buy. I mean, some go on the demo and say, yeah, it's not for me. That's fine. But the ones that go on the demo and then buy are unlikely to, 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 to drop out. So it's very important for me to the point at which I'll sit there and give their money back for the first month. Um, but if it, so, I would hope people do that. So that, yes, the answer is you've got a free forever account. It's, it's, it's full functionality, but limited um, uh, limited insight, I suppose. Um, and then, you know, there's a free month uh, or it's money back for your first month, but you've got to do the onboarding to get it. I mean, that that onboarding, as as I said, I, I did that onboarding with you. And actually, um, after 
failing to coherently explain to other people in the team how to use it i you were kind enough to to redo it with someone in my team which was much appreciated um yeah but for and hopefully that yeah well well we're still paying so (laughs) but for yeah in my opinion for 39 bucks a month you know even just using it for the even just using it if you're just using it for content briefs it it's is worth that in my opinion um it's super helpful. So inlinks.net, you can go try it out. If um, if you'll run the gauntlet and uh, talk to Dixon for a quarter of an hour or so, you'll get your first month back. Highly recommend you give it a go. Dixon, we've we've already we're already approaching forty five minutes. It's been absolutely fascinating just scratching the surface with you about inlinks and and entities. Thank you for for taking the time to come and speak to me. Well, I'm 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 deeply grateful for, uh, for 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 you know coming on a webinar and you just diving straight into the product and 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 stuff i i you know i don't i don't like coming onto uh onto onto um podcasts and talking about you know my technology and just my technology uh, in a in a way that's annoying but you you know you've pushed me that way and i'm very grateful for it so i hope that the uh, the audience you know find the underlying ideas helpful anyway brilliant we will be back in one week's time of course which will be monday the 8th of march so if you enjoy the podcast of course share it with a friend you can link to it you can subscribe all those nice things and otherwise i hope you have a wonderful week 